Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Phil Harvey. I'm an editor at Light Reading, and today we are going to dish on Dish Network. We're going to cover the company's past, present, and possibly its future, um, along with co-host Kelsey Zeiser. Hello, Kelsey. Hey, Phil. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing well, and we have two guests today, um, and we will introduce them by way of asking a question. Um, the opening question is, uh, have you ever been a Dish Network subscriber? Uh, guest number one, uh, one of our colleagues uh, at Light Reading, Mike Dano. Have you been a Dish Network subscriber? I have never. I, I don't even know. I think they sell satellites, right? And then you get a TV <laughs> on do. it? Is that what they do? <laughs> they sell an entire satellite. That's true. <laughs> I think you put it on your house. That's what I think. Yes. You put yeah. the satellite on your house and yeah. lots, lots of things happen. Fair enough. We should probably talk to our, our second guest instead. Uh, Jeff Baumgartner, have you ever been a Dish Network subscriber? I have not either, uh, but I do. I did buy a Slingbox from them. Oh, okay. Does that count? That's a that's a Dish owned product, right? So, um, yeah, Sling TV or no Slingbox? This would have been before Sling TV, right? Right. Yeah. This is like the old. You know, the, the play shifting device that you connect to your set-top box and access it from, you know, anywhere in the world. But uh, Oh, okay. Yeah. So before the cloud, they sort of, they would, uh, you would connect the box to your DVR and it would send the programming over the internet and allow you to watch it on a different device somewhere else. Right. You have the kind of job that I could see that being very useful because um, you're on the road a lot covering things. Um, did they, did they ever sell a lot of those devices or did that, was that just sort of a, one of those things that nobody ever, um, <laughs> everybody loved and nobody bought? I, I think, yeah. I, uh, yeah. They never really disclosed any specific numbers. I, I think they always had a hard time, uh, kind of getting beyond, you know, kind of the, the tech savvy people who don't mind setting that up. Cause it's a little bit of a kludge, you know, to get, to get it put together. But, uh, and I think, the last thing we kind of heard about that was, uh, you know, they were kind of cutting down or, or getting out of making the devices and just trying to sell out the inventory that they have still out there. Yeah. So I think that kind of tells the story. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and Mike, you don't actually have a satellite on your house. You have a regular pay TV setup. I'm imagining. Uh, is there something that is different than Netflix? That's that's my question. I, that's there's, you know what? Uh, does no, Netflix work really. on Sling? That's all I care about is whether <laughs> Netflix is on it. And, and Stranger it Things. That's all. I mean, is there something else that I'm missing? Netflix works on damn near anything, which is kind of the I think a large part of their success. The fact that you don't have to worry about that part of it. Yeah, I, um, I don't have a satellite to get it. It's on. It's on this. All the screens that I have, it's it's on there. So I don't. I don't think I need a satellite. I have it on a connected rock. Not a pony. <laughs> you know, like a connected pony that would show you Netflix. I'm. I'm at a loss. I don't know where to go with that. Um, but uh, let's leave it at Connected Rock. I think that's a good place because uh, we're going to talk about Dishes Past and they've been around since the Stone Ages. Um, here's how we are going to cover this part. I am going to read headlines in the past um, going back about 15 years. I'll read a little bit of the headline and then we can just uh, uh, react as we see fit. Um, so let's start. Dateline September 2003, Echo Star doing business as Dish Network announced that it had sold its one millionth DVR unit. 
So the DVR was invented by TiVo, but Dish was an early proponent uh, of the ability to record shows. It was one of the first pay TV operators to really push the idea into the mainstream. And, you know, by 2003, it had already sold a million of those suckers. Um, any reaction to that? That's a pretty pioneering thing to do. Yeah. Um, well, Jeff here, I, you know, I thought <laughs> the, uh, I mean, Dish has been, you know, at least from the, the video and pay TV perspective is always uh, kind of been a uh, kind of a pointy stick, you know, that caused us cable to kind of get off their duffs yeah. in, in certain ways. Um, you know, that they were kind of an early adopter of like an integrated you know, set top box with the DVR before the, the cable guys really got into it. And, and, you know, it, it kind of reflects too how, you know, pay TV kind of became a, like a channel tonnage game, uh, you know, when dish and, and direct TV too yeah. came on board and, uh, you know, came on the scene and, you know, cable had to really go in and, and go digital to add channels and various multiplexes that the programmers like Discovery, HBO, and ESPN developed. So, you know, I, I think that they were, you know, they kind of served as a catalyst, you know, to, to kind of get, you know, cable to, to kind of move in that direction a little bit more rapidly. And uh, I, here's what I want to say about the, the, so I don't know, I don't know, I don't real, really know all the ins and outs of their, of their, of the start of Dish and, and uh, you know, how they became where they are now. But the, the, the story that the company is pushing now is about, is all about how they are an American pioneer and how uh, yeah. Charlie Ergen um, sort of created this business out of the back of his van driving around Colorado. That's not and how sketchy he, at all. <laughs> and how uh you know he created he was a he was a you know this this quintessential american entrepreneur and created you know billions of dollars of wealth uh from from a creative you know satellite tv scrappy upstart um mm -hmm. and and that's that's really the the story the company is pushing now because his argument is that he's doing it again in wireless um and that's why i bring it up now is that he, he, you know yeah. he's he's this you know, used to be a professional poker play, player hmm. uh, or professional blackjack player, uh, decided to become an entrepreneur and, and, and built, you know, billions of dollars of wealth, uh, uh, you know, as the, as the quintessential American entrepreneur. Yeah, we are going to definitely, um, you've set that up perfectly because we're definitely in the next couple of headlines, we're going to get to some of that ingenuity and some of that, um, that home run hitter mentality that Charlie Ergen certainly has. Um, Dateline, February 2011. I'll read the copy exactly as written by a guy named Jeff Bumgartner, who apparently worked at Light Reading. Who the reading, hell is that? Uh, back then. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, here's, here's the headline. With Dish Network putting up $1 billion for a distressed hybrid satellite slash terrestrial firm, Charlie Ergen and company, is now in a position to accumulate a swath of spectrum that some analysts estimate could even rival what Sprint and T-Mobile control today. Interesting, eh? Mm. Uh -huh. History of things to come. Yeah, I wrote this that. is this is where it all starts. Really, is the, yeah. The, you did. Well, I their, their, it. their second act is the, you know uh, start. I think it was starting in yeah, it was, uh, uh, almost a de or more than a decade ago. They started acquiring spectrum licenses, and even then, the question was what the what the heck are they going to do with all the spectrum? And they still haven't done anything with it yet. But they that was their first big spectrum purchase and they have continued uh, ever since then they've been buying spectrum at 
at any opportunity they've bought Spectrum whenever they can. Yeah. And going back through our archives and some older things, it's been interesting um, reading Jeff's coverage of the company and, and other uh, uh, analysts sort of weighing in at different times on what they thought um, Dish might do. And it's it's pretty interesting because it kind of, it it goes back and forth between, oh, they're definitely going to build a wireless company to I don't know what that guy's doing. He's crazy. You know? <laughs> Spectrum hoarders. Well, now, yeah, if I kind of go back and remember, I think, you know, my first thought was, you know, oh, God, I'm going to have to actually learn something about mobile and wireless. It's <laughs> <laughs> a fair, fair thought. Um, okay, moving right along. This is a great um, in the wild mood swings of Dish Network's history dateline, uh, uh, April 2011. Dish buys a uh, Dish wins a bid to buy the assets of Blockbuster Video <laughs> out of bankruptcy. Um, Dish, the satellite company, uh, as as described in the New York Times, is set to pay out roughly two hundred twenty eight million in cash for the privilege oh, of owning man. that pile of crap. That's unfortunate. Um, the cringeworthy quote. Uh, here's a paragraph as written in the New York Times: With Blockbuster, Mr. Ergen and Dish uh, gain a retail presence. <laughs> through which they can potentially sell services. <laughs> in its press statement, Dish highlighted Blockbuster's more than 1,700 store locations as a highly recognizable brand, and that offers us multiple methods of delivery. I think Kelsey's leading the reaction oh here. I, I didn't even know this. This is amazing. All I can think of is I, I, I just saw a cap- I finally saw Captain marvel and she lands in the blockbuster that's just kind of how i feel about this (laughs) if she did that in 2011 she would have landed right on top of charlie urban (laughs) is this the part where i uh, I worked at blockbuster in college you worked at blockbuster Uh oh oh yeah it was great it was a great job did you have to rewind a lot of tapes i did it was awesome oh wow so you were one of the kindest people apparently great yeah (laughs) Um, Jeff, you're the you've the one that's covered pay TV the longest well, out of us. Um, what what did what did what did this mean to you at the time, or do you yeah, even remember? Yeah, I, I do remember the deal, and and I think um, a lot of the reactions were similar to Kelsey's. There there was a lot of <laughs> laughter involved, but <laughs> but I think you know I I think you know the they they did have the right idea from a longer term perspective. I think I think they realized that. Uh, uh, yeah, the brick and mortar side of that business, you know, was never going to last forever. And I, and I think that eventually what yeah. they were thinking about doing was, you know, and it became something for online distribution or uh, mm-hmm. movies and TV shows and something that could be integrated with, you know, dish. They're like, Hey, this would be a great brand to use, um, you know, for that, uh, you know, and, and I think the, you know, the retail side of the business, you know, declined so fast. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know if they were able to, you know, kind of pivot in that direction fast enough, you know, to, to make it a reality before you know they were, uh, you know, faced with another outcome there. Okay. Yeah, that was what yeah. I was going to ask was why couldn't they rebrand it? But it sounds like it just um, yeah. was do not resuscitate. Yeah. Now it's situation. Yeah. It- yeah, it happened way too fast. Um, uh, to keep to keep it moving here, now we're going into a, a wireless mood swing for Dish Network uh, once again. Um, so uh, this isn't the headline I'm h- hyping right now, but in um, 
the year 2013 started with uh, Sprint getting ready to buy out the rest of a broadband wireless uh, startup that it owned the majority of called Clearwire. So it's it's getting ready to buy that out. Out of nowhere, Dish comes in and puts a $2.2 billion bid for a portion of Clearwire's spectrum and says if Clearwire allows it to acquire the company, then it'll... Um, it will forge new commercial ties with Clearwater. And Charlie Ergen says, this will fulfill our vision of creating a new cell phone service provider. Um, that was in uh, January of 2013. By April of 2013, Dish on paper made a $25.5 billion offer to acquire Sprint. Yeah, it's and it's all on paper. <laughs> That's yeah, it's all on paper. <laughs> it stayed. It's all stayed on paper. It hasn't actually come out into the real world. But I mean, what I think that here's my take on that is that that reflects two things. One, it reflects the value of the spectrum licenses that Clearwire owned. Those yeah. spectrum licenses are two, 2.5 gigahertz spectrum licenses. Uh, Sprint eventually acquired those spectrum licenses, and that those spectrum licenses are now at the heart of the T-Mobile Sprint merger. They are uh, they have become incredibly valuable spectrum licenses in 5G because they tow the right line between um, coverage and capacity. Those are those are really valuable licenses now. Um, and then you know, I, I think it, what it also reflects is that. You know, Dish Dish has been very interested in this whole area, and um, you know, they, this is not the first time that they've single signaled their interest in becoming a cell phone carrier. They did it, uh, you know, yeah. when they tried to acquire Sprint. That is one of the times. One of the things in in digging through the headlines, I found out over the years is like they definitely, um, it, like I said, it's almost wild mood swings. They would they would swing really hard toward video delivery and spend like an entire you know, series of quarters touting different technologies and different things they were buying and, you know, pushing really hard, but they never really gave up the spectrum. They always continue to acquire spectrum all the way throughout. So it's like the company has either had this plan the whole time or they've had, um, or they've realized that it's just such valuable real estate that they had to have it and right. knew they would use it at I some think it's, point. Yeah, it's really a matter of just looking at what options are available. And certainly I think Charlie Ergen saw you know, with Clearwire coming up for sale, that was an option. You know, there there was a there was an opportunity there, and he was going to see what he could do with it. And ultimately, he was not able to do anything with it, whether he wanted to or not. I'm I'm not sure, but he he certainly sees another opportunity here with this merger of Sprint and T-Mobile. Yeah, indeed. So let's go ahead and wrap that up for uh, uh, for Dish Network's past. Now we'll talk about a little bit about Dish Network's present when we come back. You're listening to the Light Reading Podcast. Welcome back to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Phil Harvey. I am joined today by Kelsey Zeiser. Hello. By Mike Dano. Yo, yo. And Jeff Baumgartner. Howdy, folks. <laughs> Thank you all. Um, so we were talking about Dish Network and its uh, progression as a, uh, uh, an entertainment company, uh, pay TV company, and uh, how it's maybe going to go into the mobile space. Um, so before we talk about how big of an entertainment company Dish has become, or a pay TV company, uh, let me read a quick headline from 
July of 2016, uh, with an estimated drop of 6% of its subscriber base in just five quarters, and even Sling TV, small gains in OTT programming, uh, Alan Bresnick at Light Reading uh, posed the question in a headline, is DISH going down the drain? Um, Jeff, is DISH Network, um, you know, I, I know it's not, none of the pay TV companies are nearly as influential as they used to be, but is it still one of the uh, one of the top players in pay TV? Uh, I think from like an aggregate subscriber standpoint, yeah, I mean, they're still up there. And it's interesting when you read that back and hearing, you know, 6% decline, uh, that actually sounds like the good old days, <laughs> you know, when you look at, you know, how things have yeah. gone. I mean, they've been, you know, dish, they've been down higher percentage uh, percentages than that. Uh, and they're still pretty significant, um, you know, in the, in the grand scheme. I mean, they're not nearly as big as they used to be. I think they're down to like 9.5 million satellite TV subs and 2.5 million sling TV subs. Uh, you know, the, the, one of the problems is that, you know, sling TV isn't recapturing everything that they're losing on the satellite side. And right. you know, that's leading to some speculation that, Oh, you know, maybe, you know, dish and drug TV would try to come together again and, and, you know, combine it with dish, give them, you know, a lot more scale. But, uh, you know, as I kind of look at it now, I mean, that's seems like a little bit more of a long shot option. You know, if 5G is really going to be central, you know, to what Dish's future is going to be. Yeah. And and it's, it's worth pointing out too, that in the, in the grand scheme of pay TV providers, um, you know, direct TVs also, um, you know, AT&T lost um, nearly a million subscribers this Mm -hmm. past quarter. Um, So every big pay TV provider who had a, a, I would say every top five pay TV provider, um, they're all shedding subscribers at a, at a, pretty healthy clip because of, uh, uh, people like Mike Dano and his Netflix habit. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll take people, responsibility for that. That's right. People getting their, uh, <laughs> getting their enter- oh, entertainment in other ways. Um, and I, I wrote, you know, recently too, that, you know, I've, I've finally cut the cord as well. And I, I think that's something that I wouldn't have thought of doing five years ago, but now the, the feature set on all this stuff is so compelling and the price is right about where you would expect it to be in terms of, uh, you know, a full uh, slate of pay TV features. So I have a question for you, Mike, where is, um, or how is Dish involved in the Sprint and T-Mobile merger? What's going on with that? Yeah, really? <laughs> that That is a great question. <laughs> and, and all the things are going on with it right now. It is it is what I would describe as the industry's best soap opera right now. It's <laughs> got twists and turns. We just had a new development yesterday with the Texas, the state of Texas joining a lawsuit against the merger. So, um, so Dish is definitely involved in this merger of Sprint and T-Mobile, but I think they're, the, this story really starts in at the end of 2017 when Charlie Ergen said that he would step down as CEO and uh, in in order to focus specifically on wireless. I think that's mm-hmm. the part, that's where this whole thing starts. Because what I think happened was that, um, and this is just from me, you know, from the outside looking in, they had all that spectrum. They were trying to sell it to somebody like Verizon and they, they weren't able to, they never reached a deal. And at the end of 2017, Charlie Ergen basically gave up and was like, no one's going to buy the spectrum. We're, 
now we have to figure out what we're going to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then what happened in 2018 was they basically announced their phase one of their wireless plan, which was to build out that NBIoT wireless network nationwide. And that strategy was specifically to hold on to their spectrum licenses because the when you buy a spectrum license from the FCC, you're you you are required to put it to use in a certain mm-hmm. amount of time. And right. Dish was looking at that at that deadline coming up pretty quick. Uh, mm-hmm. and it needed to put that spectrum to use in order to hold on to the licenses. And so phase one of its plan was to build an NBIOT network that no one was going to use and not, there was no revenues from it. It was purely to hold on to the spectrum licenses. There's there's no reason for anyone to buy uh, Internet of the Things services from Dish. When there was T-Mobile, just going to be like one yep. dude's uh, gate camera. Literally, uh, literally. T-Mobile and, and AT&T and Verizon, they already all have those networks nationwide. Uh, there's no reason for Dish to, to build it. It was purely to hold on to their Spectrum licenses. Now, that was the first part of their of their wireless plan. The, the second part was that they were going to wait for standalone 5G, and then they would build 5G. That that was prior to the Sprint T-Mobile merger deal. That was their that was their plan. And actually, um, Charlie Ergen came to uh, the the WIA. Uh, Wireless Infrastructure Association trade show, which is where a bunch of the tower companies are. He came there last year and he said, I'm going to build out this network. I need your help. And that was really his like sort of stepping out, coming out party as I'm in the wireless industry. I'm really going to buy stuff. I'm really doing things. That was his first like major appearance. And that was before the Sprint T-Mobile merger. And then what what ended up happening, you know, according to the Wall Street Journal is that, you know, the Sprint and T-Mobile merger um, ran into too many obstacles, particularly at the Department of Justice. And this is this is sort of uh, kind of April timeframe from this year. And basically what happened is John Ledger at T-Mobile called Charlie Ergen and said, hey, like, we can't get this merger done. Can you help us is basically what the conversation was. Um, and so and that's how Dish became a part of the Sprint and T-Mobile merger was because Department of Justice was going to block it. Um, Charlie Ergen, or sorry, John Ledger at T-Mobile called Charlie Ergen at Dish and said, they're going to block us. How, what can we do? We need you. We need you basically. And so he's, he stepped in and that's how he became uh, involved in the merger. Do you have any thoughts on why um, you wrote about the attorney generals from New York, California, and Colorado reaffirming their opposition to the merger of Sprint and T-Mobile? Um, do you have any thoughts yeah, on why those states are against it? Oh yeah, I mean they they their argument is correct in that uh, if those two companies merge, if Sprint and T-Mobile merge, then there will they they pass what's called the HHI index, and the wireless industry will be too concentrated among too few carriers. Okay. There's an economic calculation that the Department of Justice uses called the HHI index, and it basically looks at how many providers are in the market and whether mm-hmm. there's enough competition or not. And and if the merger goes through that, the the economic calculation signals that there is not enough providers in the industry. So that's what their whole thing is based on. And they're right. Like it does, it does definitely cross that economic threshold. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's weird too, because it it's it's um, you know, I guess pardon me for being cynical, but every single wireless merger to date has resulted in um, really long uh, integration processes 
um, confusion for consumers and higher prices all around. And so it's, you know, it's, I think it's right for um, the attorneys general and, uh, you know, all regulators of any sort to be concerned about um, a deal when they say that they're going to go from uh, four carriers to three carriers, but don't worry, we'll, we'll provide for a fourth one. It's, it's sort of like, yeah, we've heard that before. And yeah. you know what? It just doesn't, it doesn't ever pan out in, in favor of consumers. I mean, the, the T-Mobile and Sprint argument, they, they, I think they knew this all going in and their argument was, yeah. uh, we'll build 5G, 5G is a national priority. Um, and Sprint can't do it alone. Uh, Sprint is in an awful position. Their network is awful. They're losing customers. They can't, they can't give it away service. They're literally giving away service and they can't do it. Um, even you know, even so though they, they scooped they, up that um, guy that does the advertisements who used to be on Verizon. <laughs> can you hear me now? Like yeah, he's not. Oh, the, you can't hear me now. Yeah. yeah. yeah no, even he can't do it. Apparently even the, can you yeah. hear me now guy can't do it. I didn't. Uh, well, that's, that's how, that's how tough the economy is right now. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, wow, you mean we, we hired another middle-aged white guy as an ad, ad spokesman and somehow the needle hasn't moved? <laughs> it's a very 2019 thing to do. I can't, I can't believe it. All right. Okay, let's, uh, let's leave it here for, the, for, for Dish Network's present. Uh, in the next segment, we will talk about uh, what we think Dish is going to do in the future or what they said they're going to do in the future and what we think they're going to do. And then we'll ta- um, have some fun and maybe uh, project some headlines. Uh, coming up. We'll be right back on the Light Reading Podcast. Welcome back to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Phil Harvey. I'm joined by Kelsey Zeiser. Heyo. By Mike Dano. Hello. <laughs> the dramatic pause for Mike uh, and Jeff Baumgartner. I'm here too. Okay, good. Um, so we're all, we're still talking about Dish Network, and we've we've talked about the past and the present. Um, now let's talk about what Dish is doing in the future and where the company might be going. Um, so Jeff, I guess first of all, you know, Dish is still a pay TV company. They've still got all the pressures and uh, problems that pay TV companies are experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, what do they need to do on that side of the business to? Um, to remain competitive and really, you know, uh, I guess, continue to be a viable top five player in that space. Yeah. I, uh, I, th- I think that um, on the, on the over the top side, I, I think even though sling TV has kind of been uh, billed and used as kind of a skinny TV package, I, I think they're going to have to start to consider uh, getting, distribution rights to kind of create a full freight version of it um, because, uh-huh. you know, the satellite technology is, uh, is, you know, continues to, to kind of age out. But I think from a broader perspective, uh, you know, I, I think they, like everyone else, uh, it, it's really now become an exercise involving or figuring out how to kind of manage the rate of loss <laughs> at this point and, <laughs> and trying to, yeah. you know, make it, uh, uh, try, you know, just trying to keep that in check. And, and, and part of that has been, uh, you know, I, even in Q2, their numbers actually improved. I mean, they weren't great, but uh, yeah, they're, they're right. kind of like going to the, uh, the Comcast uh, playbook in some respects and saying, 
and, and AT&T now to, uh, to a degree. And that is, you know, we're really going to try to focus more on uh, like the higher level or uh, uh, higher end subscribers, the ones that aren't going to uh, churn and burn constantly. And, uh, you know, just try to, to keep that, that churn in check and just keep the, the losses as managed as manageable as possible. This seems to be kind of the path forward, at least on the on the video side right now. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, on the video side too, I, just to, as a clarification, when you say a full freight uh, package and you're talking about um, acquiring content, so it would be it would be getting it would be Dish getting more permissions from different networks to offer their services yeah. on um, on the Sling. Yeah, platform, so right? it would be kind of almost like uh, replicating uh, some of the the sizes of uh, pay TV packages that the satellite TV service offers today. But yeah, they would have to you know that that'd be part of the the negotiations to be able to deliver that you know in a uh, over the top fashion. So it would just be it would just you know be more complicated uh, negotiations. For Dish, which you know we, we know to kind of play hardball as it is <laughs> with its uh, its uh, programming contracts, but uh, you know in, in some respects that that's kind of the direction AT and T is trying to go uh, with with the the uh, the new streaming products. You know they got the the skinny yeah. stuff, but they they're coming out with uh, versions that are you know kind of full fledged pay TV packages as well to to serve that part of the market. Hmm, that makes sense. Um, Mike, I have a question for you. So you also wrote about how DISH um, is planning on building a 5G network to cover 70% of the U.S. population by June 2023. Do you think that's realistic? Um, what do they need to do to achieve that? Yeah, really. Uh, <laughs> they have a lot they have a lot to do to achieve it. Um the first thing is is whether or not Sprint and T-Mobile actually do merge. Mm-hmm. And um, you mentioned that lawsuit by the state attorneys general, and that that's a major obstacle. Mm-hmm. And we're, like, what's really interesting is that we're in totally uncharted waters. There has never, as far as I know, there has never been a lawsuit by the state attorneys general against a merger before it's been consummated and after it's received FCC and DOJ approval. Um, so, so we really serious. don't know. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty serious. It's serious. And we don't know, like this has never happened before. So we don't know what is going to happen next. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that merger has to be, that merger has to happen before dish does anything at this point. It's really in a holding pattern waiting for that merger to be approved because when the merger is approved, then it's, then all the requirements go into effect. Uh, the MVNO situation happens. The it, it is able to purchase the the customers from Sprint that it bought. Um, so that's that's the first thing is you got to have some you got to have that merger approved. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once the merger is approved, uh, then Dish is supposedly going to begin building out its network. Um, and the and the first step it needs to to, to, to take is get some money for, to build that network out. Uh, it's got you know, it can skim off of its satellite uh, TV business. Um, Erg- Charlie Ergen himself has said that he would said that he would fund some of that build out, um, and then it could also, you know, go get money from capital markets or whoever. Amazon, Google might fund it. There's just no telling who's going to put money into this thing. Um, but then, you know, once it's got the money, then it just, you know, it pays for towers, it pays for equipment, 
and the sort of the nuts and bolts begins. And, and that's uh, okay. that's fairly straightforward. And if it worked out, it sounds like he's still going to focus on IoT. Is that right? Well, I mean, they were. Mm -hmm. They were going to do only IoT. They weren't going to focus on phones. But now, um, you know, as as part of the Sprint and T-Mobile merger, the part of the deal is that Dish acquires almost 10 million prepaid customers mm -hmm. who are re already regular phone users. And then it would provide services to them through an MVNO with T-Mobile. So it basically used T-Mobile's network to provide services for these customers that it's buying. So it's sort of buying its way into the phone industry uh, and actually would be a, a, a major player in the phone industry with 10 million customers. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, so, so, so it, so instead of it, it, initially it was going to do IOT, but now it's going to do phones too. Okay, gotcha. Interesting. You know, it, it, it just dawned on me when you said that, that yeah, if Google or somebody like that suddenly backs the dish, um, mobile network, that that would suddenly make that whole effort a lot more yeah, interesting. Really would. I would think. And the thing is, is that there's been rumors of of both Amazon and Dish, or sorry, Amazon and uh, Google uh, negotiating right. with Dish. Uh, so it's so, so that I mean, I'm I'm not pulling those names out of thin air. There's been Wall Street Journal and Reuters has reported that both those companies are talking to Dish about about the stuff. Yeah, because be, I mean, as they're you know, if you think about from their point of view, the business model has always been to supply services to consumers and allow them to either give more search results or deliver more things to them, you know, digitally or or more packages or whatever. They just don't have that last mile network to do any of it. So yeah, it's true. For for Google, it doesn't make a lot of sense for me, but for Amazon, it does considering that they've talked about drones and, you know, they've got this this satellite network that they're funding. It seems like um, Amazon in particular is, is, is entering into the telecommunications industry and, and could go further. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap up our discussion of dish network, uh, and what we think they're, uh, where they've come from and where they're going. Um, let's do a closing bit by doing some headline predictions. Um, in the next few months, I won't put a time limit on it, but let's go around the horn and give me a headline that predicts where you think uh, uh, Dish might go, uh, Jeff? Do you want to start? Or are you, are you, are you uh, sure. Still scribbling? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I have one kind of locked and loaded. <laughs> if if things if things go south, you know, and that is, gotcha. Uh, sorry, Charlie. T-Mobile Sprint deal scuttled. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is a possibility. The 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 attorneys general. Gen, attorneys, gen, the uh, all the generals and all, <laughs> and all the attorneys the are still <laughs> are, are still upset about the uh, the merger and what it might mean for consumers. So that is a possibility. All right, I'll, I'll chime in with mine. Is that so? I I love the underdog story here, where dishes. You know, definitely no one no one thinks they're going to pull this thing off. So I I like that underdog yeah. element to it. So I'm I'm going to give the headline of uh, something like you know, uh, sling wireless, um, you know, launches in New York city, launches 5g in New York city at, uh, whatever, a hundred megabits a second or something like that. I, I, I like that. Oh, and using sling yeah, as sling the brand name. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Right? Oh, I, I could see that happening actually. Mm -hmm. And then eventually they're acquired by charter. <laughs> and, right. <laughs> and then we'll do this podcast again in three years. We'll do it all yeah. over again. What does this mean for the industry? <laughs> dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Wait, did I just mock all of us? Sorry, <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. Um, obviously, what we do is important. Yeah. Anyway, oh, Kelsey, um, over to you. I didn't get very far. 
<laughs> I just got um, oh, okay. 5G well, Fubar, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> just ran away yeah. with this. Can we just run that every day? We'll just every day would be that headline. <laughs> nice. Yeah. The morning spectrum. Yeah. Just, just, just we, we should just run that anyway. All right. So. My headline dish brings back Blockbuster brand to deliver new retro video products. My Kano to <laughs> so, rewind. We're going. T- take my money. We going, oh, God. We're going laser. Where do I people. sign up? <laughs> I don't know, but as soon as I do know, you will read it about it on Light Reading. Thanks, for, uh, thanks so much to Jeff Baumgartner, uh, Mike Dano, and Kelsey Zeiser. And thank you there with the headphones for letting us invade your personal space. We will see you next time. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Light Reading Podcast. This podcast is edited and produced by Tian Fu in New York. Our show notes are all available at lightreading.com. As a reminder, you can get the Light Reading Podcast from Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, and dozens of other platforms and apps. Thanks again for listening, and thanks for getting your telecom news from lightreading.com.